on Wednesday nights, we're looking at living by principles. Principle is different than a doctrine. Doctrine is a right and wrong, a truth or error. Principles is uh, guidelines that we live by. Matthew chapter number seven, of course, uh, this is the 19th, no, this is the 20th principle uh, that we are gonna look at. Uh, Matthew chapter number seven, and uh, if you have many conversations with people, eventually somebody will quote this verse. I think that uh, this is probably the most abused verse in all of the Bible. Matthew chapter 7, look there if you would in verse number 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for each one that's here. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that you placed in our hands. And I pray tonight as we look at yet another principle that would be good to live by. Lord, we'd take it to heart. Help us to understand what many who quote the verse don't understand. Lord, I pray that we'd be the better for you because of it tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look again at verse number one. That verse says, judge not that you be not judged. And I think probably if you uh, are a Christian that has strong Bible convictions, You've probably had that verse somewhere, sometime thrown in your face. But they probably just quoted the first two words. First two words there say, judge not. Usually somebody quotes that verse to you, or at least those two words to you, when you are making a commentary about what somebody else is doing. So they might be involved in some kind of activity and you uh, try to quote some kind of a Bible verse, they shouldn't do it, they shouldn't say it, and inevitably somebody has said, well, we shouldn't judge, judge not. I mean, you've ever had something like that before? That's a good commentary on your position. And you know, again, uh, the liberals and the modernists have repeated that verse so many times that they have actually quieted Christians from speaking their heart. And we can't let the world dictate what we believe, what we don't believe, what we say, what we don't say. And so again, the verse, the first two words say, judge not, and because uh, many Christians have been silenced because they've been intimidated by having that thrown back in the face. Do you know, if you buy into their notion then you'll never say anything for your Lord. Then you'll never say anything on behalf of Christ. In fact, you won't even approach a lost person about their lost soul because, after all, how dare you judge that they're not saved already? So, folks, that's ridiculous to think that a Christian would never, ever make any kind of a judgment. So we're going to try to learn tonight, if you're taking notes, on the principle of judging. The principle of judging. Preacher, did Jesus really mean that we were never supposed to voice our opinion about people, about the practices of people? Are we really never to make a judgment about anything? Well, it's a question tonight again, if you're taking notes, the principle of judging and let's start here with the very first verse that we just read. The Bible says, judge not that ye be not judged. And I begin by saying to you that uh, without making any judgments in life, 
Folks, that's absurd if you're taking notes. Judging is something that sane people do constantly. Again, the first note, judging is something that sane people do constantly. So if you have someone that says, I never judge, we can now categorize them according to what I just said as insane. <laughs> sane people judge all the time. You probably make 20 judgment calls every day of your life if you're sane. When that alarm goes off in the morning, you were sane to set it because the night before you judged, I better set that thing or I'll be late for work. And you decided whether you better set it for five so you could be at work in time or six or seven. You made a judgment of what time you had to set that alarm so you'd be there on time. I never judge. Well, you made a choice, and that's a judgment of what would work and what wouldn't work. Uh, you made a judgment whether you would wear the same clothes that you wore yesterday or whether those clothes need washing, and you should try to wear something different. Uh, you made a judgment uh, last time you drove to Winnipeg of whether you had enough gas in that gas tank to get you there or whether you better get gas before you get on that highway. That's a judgment. We make judgments all the time. To suggest that, you know what, if you're, if you're indeed a Christian, love the Lord, you'll never make a judgment, that is an insane statement. Again, we make judgments all the time. Do you know uh, you make a judgment whether it'd be a good idea to roll down your window while you're driving, or whether that rain coming in might cause a bit of a trouble, or snow, or sleet, or wind. Uh, you make a judgment every time you come to an intersection, if it has a light whether you have enough time to get through or whether you better stop this side of the line. I'm saying to you, first of all, judging is something that sane people do constantly. You ladies, you might not make those decisions, those judgments, but uh, I suppose on a church day you judge whether you should wear that outfit, whether that blouse matches that skirt or whether they clash. That's a judgment. Say, Pastor, I was never good with collars. We already know that but you make a judgment constantly. You know, you decide whether your children should wear that to school today or not. Uh, you make a judgment whether it's a good idea to buy that fresh vegetable or that's already showing age, get that one instead. You can't go to a grocery store without making judgments. You decide whether to get the two kilogram or the four kilogram or the five or the 10 according to the price of each and how much money you have to spend. It would be insane to say that we never make any judgments. That would be absolute foolishness. Uh, you decide if it's time to begin making supper, or if you can wait a little bit longer. You decide whether you've put enough sugar or salt in that recipe, or if it needs a little bit more. You decide whether you give your children that snack this late at night, or whether that snack this late at night is going to keep them up half the night. Folks, we make judgment calls all day, every day. So, Pastor, is he really saying in this verse, judge not, that we should never, ever make judgments? No, <laughs> he's not saying that at all. Again, judging is something that sane people do constantly. Now, the way we know that that's not what Matthew 7, 1 means is by the rest of the same chapter. Throughout the chapter, our Lord gives some further instructions that every Christian's to do, 
And you can't do even these without making some kind of judgment calls. Look there in uh, Matthew 7, verse 6. The Bible says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before the swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Now, we don't have time to get into that text. There are some people think from that text that there are some people that you should never take the gospel to. That is not what that text is talking about. That text, and again, we don't have time to look into it, but that text is talking about taking a new convert that's just been led to Christ and giving that new convert to a dog, which is a lost male teacher, or give it to a uh, swine, which is a lost female teacher. You get that from 2 Peter 2. You have to constantly make judgments about that new convert, whether they would be safe under that person's teaching or safe under that. That requires judgment. Uh, look there in Matthew 7, verse number 15. Matthew 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly there are ravening wolves. Uh, spiritually, there are some that are teaching doctrines that are false. That makes them a false teacher or a false prophet. For you to beware of a false prophet, you have to make a judgment. You have to listen to the kind of things that that prophet, that teacher teaches. And according to the word of God, you have to decide if they are a true teacher or a false teacher, a true prophet or a false prophet. It requires judging to do verse 15. And then look at the very uh, two verses later, verse 17, Matthew 7, 17. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. If you're holding up two pieces of fruit, now we'll take you back to the grocery store again, you're going to decide which one of those would be good to buy, and which one of those would not be good to buy, it requires judging to do that. So when somebody, after you have made some comment about what they're doing or saying or have done or have said, and when they throw back at you, judge not, folks, it is insanity to think that that's what judge not means in that text. Again, I say to you, we're looking here at the principle of judging. And the first thing we find is judging is something that sane people do constantly. Now, I said the chapter itself makes it clear we have to judge. We won't turn to these other ones, but if you'd follow, how many times elsewhere in the scriptures are we commanded to make judgments? 1 Corinthians 2.15, He that is spiritual judgeth all things. That's judgment. Uh, Luke 12, 57, Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? The Lord was rebuking somebody for not making a right judgment. And then 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, the Bible says, verse 2, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy the judge the smallest matters? So, Constantly in the scriptures, you are commanded to make judgments. 
And I imagine each of us makes dozens of judgments every day. So again, we're looking at the principle of judging. And the first thing is judging is something that sane people do constantly. I give you a second thing that we learn about judging. Look there again at verse number one, Matthew chapter seven and verse number one. The Bible says, judge not that ye be not judged. Say, okay, preacher, if the verse is not telling us that we should never judge, if that's not what that verse is saying, then what is that verse saying? Well, look at the verse one again. Judge not that. Notice that word, that. We use a lot. I wonder if you know what that means when it's used. Uh, the word that is always used to give further explanation. Uh, for instance, uh, I better leave uh, for the store now so that I'll be there before it closes. Well, that told us that what follows is going to be a further explanation for why I'm leaving for the store right now. Notice again verse number 1, Matthew 7 verse 1. Judge not. Well, if it doesn't mean we're never ever supposed to make a judgment, what does it mean? Well, it says, judge not that ye be not judged. In other words, in verse number one, our Lord is making it clear that as soon as you make a judgment, then you have set up a precedent whereby others can use that same measurement to judge you. If you're writing this down, secondly, judging is something that we should do hesitantly. Judging is something that we should do hesitantly. Because as soon as we open our mouths and make a judgment about what somebody else is saying or what somebody else is doing, we have now set a precedent for what is okay to judge. So as soon as you look at someone and say, you know, I just think they're a carnal Christian. Well, on what grounds are you saying that? Well, now somebody else can use that same liberty. And so I'm saying to you, judging is something that we should do hesitantly because we are setting a precedent. We are setting a landmark case that can be used against us one day. You're still in Matthew 7. Look at the very next verse. Let's see if what I'm saying is true. For with what judgment ye judged, uh, sorry, with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. So whatever, whatever ruler you use to judge someone else, well, now that someone else can use that same ruler against it. That's why it'd be better to you be hesitant when you judge. I keep reading there in verse number two, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. So really he's given us three reasons why we ought to hesitate when we judge. Now I've not said that we never judge. We do judge. But when you begin to judge people and begin to judge uh, patterns, and there's three reasons why you should hesitate. First of all, because you are going to reap back the same treatment from others that you just dished out. That's verse number one. Verse number two is that you are going to be judged by the same method that you're judging others. Well, they should have never done that. Okay. 
that means that you would never do that. Well, they should never lost their cool, okay? That means now you should never lose your cool. Well, they shouldn't have sworn. That means that you will never swear. Well, they shouldn't have missed church. Well, that means that you should never miss church. Do you understand? First thing we learned is judgment is something that sane people do constantly. But judging is something that we should do hesitantly. I give you a third thing here, also in Matthew chapter 7. Look there in verse number 3. Verse number 3, it says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? You write this down, third, judging is something that we should do scripturally. Judging is something that we should do scripturally. Pastor, you said everybody judges. Then you said that if we judge, we should do it hesitantly. That means it's still okay to judge. On what basis do we judge? Well, in the scriptures, there's a number of guidelines that help us when we judge. And uh, the Bible's not against any kind of judging. It just tells us how we are to judge. Keep your hand in Matthew. Let's look at a few verses there. John chapter 7. John chapter number 7. I'm going to show you some verses where clearly somebody is doing some judgment or told to do some judgment. John chapter 7 and verse 24, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So somebody is supposed to judge, but there it's not supposed to be exclusively by appearance. You can let go of John there in 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, I I give you these things because the next time someone says judge not, they found one verse and they're only reading two words of a seven-word verse. Well, it'd be handy to have some verses. You could say, you know what, now you mention that. Let's look at some other verses in the same Bible that you quote. So John 7, 24 would help. Look there in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 3. Paul says, For I verily, and absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already. So this man, Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, Paul obviously is judging. Well, look there, if you would, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's, uh, it's the chapter on the Lord's Supper. It's also the chapter on hair, long hair, short hair. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, look there in verse number 13. Judge in yourselves, that's a command. Judging yourselves is it comely that a man should pray unto God, sorry, that a woman should pray unto God uncovered. I've just given you three verses where very clearly somebody is judging. But yet again, the scriptures give a number of guidelines about the judging. You're in Corinthians, the book before it is Romans, look there in Romans 16, Romans chapter 16. Well, pastor, I just don't like to judge. Well, Romans 16, look there in verse number 17. We are told that we're supposed to judge who we associate with. Romans 16, verse 17. The Bible says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. So you're going to have to judge whether someone's doctrine lines up with the Word of God. 
And if someone's doctrine does not line up with the Word of God, it says you're supposed to avoid them. So we need judgment when it comes to the associations that we have. Uh, not only that, look there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we were there once already. But I'm saying that uh, when we judge, we need to do it scripturally. Well, first of all, we need to uh, make sure that their doctrine is scriptural. Uh, but look there in 1 Corinthians 5, verse number 11. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. So again, he's going to talk about associations. If any man that is called a brother, now there's a Christian, be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or railer or drunkard or an extortioner, with such an one know not to eat. Paul is talking about this man in the Corinthian church that was involved in fornication. And by the time Paul gets to verse number 11, he said, Now, I'm giving you Christians in Corinth, and it applies to us too, that when you find a brother in the church, another Christian in the church, that is guilty of one of these six sins, that you're not to even eat with them. And so when they invite you out to the restaurant, say, Sorry, I can't. You say, That's just so narrow. It's Bible. Look at the list again, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 11. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. Don't even keep company with this kind of a Christian. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one, no, not to eat. So we have to make judgments about the people we associate with, and we have to make judgments about the influences that we're under. I won't make you turn to this, but Proverbs 19, verse 27. Proverbs 19, 27 says, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. So, you, you're, folks, we are supposed to plug our ears when someone is trying to instruct us contrary to the word of God. Now, really, in this day and age, that's almost a blanket statement against public education. Because public education is contrary to the words of God. So, we have to judge. We have to judge our associations. We have to judge who we're influenced by. But, you know, the Christian is given a number of scriptural guidelines in judging. So we're still on this third one, back to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter number 7. Preacher, what are the scriptural guidelines in judging something? Matthew 7, verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? The first scriptural guideline for judging is the Christian is to judge things in his own life first. Before you get too convinced that God has called you into judging everybody else's life, you need to make sure that you have judged your own life first. He, he said, he used an unusual illustration. He said, you are so taken up with judging the moat, we're going to call that a sliver, Judging the moat that is in thy brother's eye. Hold still. I, I think I see something. Wait, hold it up. To, I'm sure it's there. That's the moat. You're taken up with finding that wee little speck in that other 
Christian's eye. And yet you've overlooked, look at verse 3, but consider it's not the beam that is in thine own eye. And how easy it would be to criticize someone else. Could it, is it possible that you might be doing exactly the same thing? Keep your hand in Matthew. Look in Romans chapter number 2. Romans chapter 2. Now, I know we're looking at a number of scriptures. But the whole Bible, the whole Bible teaching on judging is not Matthew 7. It's all over. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, look at verse 21 and 22. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself. Thou that preachest a man should not steal. Dost thou steal? Keep reading verse 22. Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? So again, what he is saying here in this principle of judging, judging is something that we need to do scripturally. And the first thing as Christian is to judge things in his own life first. Look there in 1 Corinthians 11, you can let go of Romans, 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, back to the chapter there of, I said it was about the Lord's Supper was one of the subjects. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. But let a man examine himself. And so again, that's a principle of judging. Have you looked in your own backyard? You know, when we wield the sword of judgment against others, that sword has two edges. I give you a second thing in this principle of judging, and that judging is something we need to do scripturally. First of all, have you examined your life first? There's a second thing. Look there in Proverbs, so keep Matthew, we'll be back to it, but Proverbs chapter 18, Proverbs chapter 18, so when we talk about judging scripturally, first of all, have you examined your own life first? Is it possible that you are criticizing somebody else for something that you're doing yourself? And you just can't see it in your life because you're so enamored with seeing it in someone else's life. Proverbs 18 and verse 13, second thing scripturally about judging. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 13, He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and shame unto him. Second thing about judging scripturally is that Christian isn't to judge hastily. Isn't it true that sometimes someone comes to us with a story, uh, an event, and they tell us what happened and Immediately, our blood begins to boil. We get so upset. But the reality is we've only heard one side of the story. And how many times, if we just listened to the other side, it would set a whole different perspective. And so again, that's why Proverbs 18, 13, He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. Some years ago, as a pastor, I listened to someone explain what happened. And folks, I, I made the very mistake I shouldn't have. I, I, I became judge and jury after, after hearing one side. And after a while, I realized, well, it would only be fair to hear the other side. Once I heard the other side, I realized, whoa. <laughs> Now, folks, all of us by nature present our own side in the best light. Isn't that fair? Isn't that true? 
And so before you tar and feather somebody, according to what he said or she said, remember that there's another side. So a Christian isn't to judge hastily. I remember some years ago, I had somebody in our church, not in our church anymore, and they came to me and they began to make some pretty brash statements about the pastor of the church that they came from before they came here. And I stopped right in the middle and I said, it, it sounds like you're wanting to draw me in to make a conclusion. And he said, well, yes. I said, before I could make a conclusion, I said, I would have to call up the other side. And I said, I would have, them, have to ask them to give their side. Is that really what you want me to do? And at that moment, this man's face went white, and he said, how about we just drop the whole thing? You might be surprised that uh, people that are telling you things in the interest of painting someone else evil, that they're not giving you all the facts. And we that have had children, have children, how many times does Junior say, well, you know, I hit her because she hit me. Well, you know, you'd have to be a detective times 10 to get to the bottom of that. And that child rarely ever will tell you who hit first. And I'm saying, first of all, the Christian is to judge things in his own life first. And secondly, the Christian isn't to judge hastily. We won't turn to it, but James chapter 1 and verse 19. In fact, we will because we're going to go to James next. Look there in the book of James, right near the end of the Bible. Now, you might save yourself from a lot of grief instead of jumping to the conclusions of what somebody told you that you check out the other side. James chapter 1 and verse number 19. James 1, 19, again, this is a, again about not judging hastily. James 1, 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, be all ears, but slow to speak and slow to wrath. Don't, don't blow a gasket off of one side. Don't do it. Again, the Christian isn't a judge hastily. And then look there in James, while we're there, chapter 2, verse 13, the third thing. James chapter 2 and verse 13, For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. So third thing, the Christian isn't to judge unmercifully. Mercy is not giving somebody something they deserved. Mercy is treating somebody with soft gloves. So oh, they're wrong. Yeah, that might be true, but a little bit of mercy goes a long way. Now it says here in James chapter 2 and verse 13, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. So if you or I are unmerciful in dropping the gavel of conviction on somebody, Pastor, they deserve to get at both barrels. Okay, but then you need to recognize that somewhere down the road you're going to get both barrels. So it helps to be merciful. If you dish out judgment with soft gloves, you will be judged with soft gloves too at a later time. Remember when King David sinned with Bathsheba? We're familiar with that. 2 Samuel 11. 
He thought he had hidden it. He thought he kept it a secret. From what we can figure, one year later, the prophet Nathan came into the king's palace. And Nathan began by telling King David a story. How many kind of remember that sort of... Told a story about a man that uh, was a humble man, poor man, had one little ewe lamb, that's all he had to his name. The next door neighbor had many lambs, many sheep. Next door neighbor has company come and visit, and this rich man next door decides, I'm not going to sacrifice one of my many. So he goes and steals that one ewe lamb from the neighbor, the only lamb that that neighbor had. David hears that, and he's absolutely furious. And David says that man needs to pay fourfold. So four lambs for a lamb, four sheep for a sheep. I wonder if Nathan, at that moment, now David, maybe he should just pay equal. No, fourfold. Well, David wouldn't twofold. No, fourfold. Do you understand David was absolutely unmerciful? Threefold? No, fourfold. And in short order, when Nathan said, Thou art the man, David paid fourfold. He had no mercy on somebody else. Now, folks, I'm not saying we justify wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But uh, mercy will go a long way. I think it was F.B. Meyer who once said this, When we see a brother or a sister sin, there are three things that we do not know. First of all, we do not know how hard he or she tried not to sin. I have no idea. Secondly, we do not know the power of the forces of Satan that were used to pull them into that sin. And third, we don't yet know what we would do in the same circumstances. You can let go of Proverbs, keep Matthew, look there in Galatians chapter 6. I think one of the biggest reasons why mercy should be considered when we judge somebody else is we haven't walked in their shoes. Not only we haven't walked in their shoes, but by being unmerciful for our, in how we deal with them. Look what Galatians 6 verse 1 says. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Why? Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Folks, as soon as we say, I would never, I think that the devil takes those arrogant words, never, up to the throne room of God. He says, God, you see that? He said he'd never do that. Let me try him. And that says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I've heard preachers of years gone by that have said, I had no mercy with people until that same trouble knocked on my doors. We have seen tonight three things so far. We've seen in the principle of judging. Judging is something that sane people do constantly. 
Secondly, judging is something that we should do hesitantly. Third, judging is something that we should do scripturally. Could I give you a fourth thing? Judging is something that we shouldn't do unnecessarily. Judging is something that we shouldn't do unnecessarily. Let me make some sense of that. Do you know that you don't have to give your opinion about everything? There are people, if I could say it nicely, that really have become a grapevine. They're anxious to hear the newest thing. And as soon as they hear it, they can't hardly wait to be the first to tell it. And really their sense of self-worth is the fact that they know everything. And they tell everything. Could I say to you that judging is something that we shouldn't do unnecessarily? Mr. Preacher, what do you think about, maybe I don't need to think about that. If it's, if it's your children, then God has placed you in a place of responsibility over your children. And so you have to deal with an issue. It's, it's, it's all part and parcel of being a parent. If you didn't deal with those children, then you would be at fault. But could I say this? I don't have to have an opinion about your children. They're not my children. I know my responsibilities here as a pastor. There's responsibilities I have here. I don't really have to know your responsibilities where you work. And I don't have to give an opinion about how you are doing your... I don't have to. You've heard people say, mind your own business. How many have heard that before? Anyone heard the statement, mind your own beeswax? Anyone ever heard that before? Oh, more I have than I thought. I looked up where that statement came. You know, back in England, many, many years ago, they had smallpox outbreaks. It was a common occurrence. It was highly contagious, often a deadly disease. Those who survived having smallpox often were left with little scars and little pit marks because those places would break out, I'm, I'm not trying to be gross, but they'd break out with pus. And when the pus finally drained, it would leave little crevices and cracks and holes. And people that were very self-conscious, what they would do is they would press wax into those spots. And maybe there's, you know, a 2023 version of that from Clairol and Revlon. And, but, we, but they would press all those things in there, and from a distance they actually looked pretty attractive. Unless they got under the hot sun. Or unless they got too close to a wood stove or heat. And then that wax that they used to cover would begin to melt. And all of those crevices and holes would be and there were people that they themselves had used wax got close to heat and that wax had melted but they didn't know it they didn't know that they had a problem 
and so that they would be scrupulously looking at other people's faces and necks and say, you know, you don't look too good. And in response, people would be, they'd say, mind your own beeswax. <laughs> That's the background of that. Folks, sometimes the very best thing is mind your own business. Oh, there are times where judgment's necessary. But I don't think it's as necessary as some would think that it is. I'm saying the fourth truth here about judging is judging something that we shouldn't do unnecessarily. You know, it's sometimes called meddling. Meddling always leads to trouble. Proverbs 26, verse 17, He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh the dog by the ears. You dog lovers probably have more experience of that than I do. And so there will be people that want to be the first to hear, the first to tell. And many of those people want to be the first to tell you and get a reaction. Just let it go. I've heard of some heartbreaking news in the last 48 hours. Can't even tell you what it is. How easy would it have been it's a tar and feather, this person involved in this. They preach, what'd you do? I just began to pray. Lord, here's a Christian. They might have just been put on a shelf. Would you somehow get glory through this? Somehow salvage this person, this family? You don't need to judge. You don't need to judge. You need to be careful. Heard of a young couple moved into a new neighborhood. The very next morning they were eating breakfast. And the young woman saw her neighbor hanging the wash outside. And that wife said, well, that laundry, that's not very clean. She sure doesn't know how to wash properly. Maybe it's the laundry soap. Why didn't someone talk to her? <laughs> and the husband at that same table looked over. He didn't say anything. Every time her neighbor would hang her wash out to dry, this young woman would make the same kind of comments. Until about a month later, the woman at that breakfast table was surprised to see nice, clean wash on the line. She said to her husband, look, look, she's learned how to wash correctly. I wonder who taught her how to do that. And the husband said, I got up early this morning and cleaned our windows. It's not always the other person. Do you know, you say, oh, Pastor, I'm a good Christian. Even good Christians get it. John Wesley told about a man he had little respect for because he considered him to be miserly and covetous. Whenever there was a special offering at the church, this man contributed very little. And so John Wesley actually openly criticized him. Well, after the incident, the man went up to Wesley privately, which was a better way to handle it than publicly criticizing, and told him that he was living on parsnips and water for several weeks. He explained that before he got saved, he had run up many bills. Now he was skimping on everything and buying nothing for himself so he could pay off his creditors one at a time. And he said, Christ has made me an honest man, 
And so I'm going to pay every debt that I have. And that's why I only have a few pennies to give over and above my tithe. I must settle up my worldly neighbors and show them what the grace of God has done in my heart because my heart was once dishonest. And Wesley was red-faced. He said, I had no idea. You might not know why somebody has decided what they decided. Well, then I should know. Maybe you shouldn't know. Maybe you should just let it go. I close with this one. The true story is told of a preacher. He wanted to go on one of these cruises. It was an ocean liner that would take him across the Atlantic. Well, when he got on board, because he was by himself, he was put in the same cabin room as another passenger. After going to see the accommodations, he looked at the other passenger. He came to the second officer's office and asked if he could leave his gold watch and his other valuables in the ship's safe. He explained that ordinarily he would never require something like that, but after he had been to his cabin, he met the man that was to occupy the other berth in the same room. And he said, judging from his appearance, I'm afraid to leave these very expensive things with that very untrustworthy person. The second officer accepted the responsibility, took the valuables, and he said, it's all right, preacher. I'll be very glad to take care of them for you. After all, the other man has already been up here and left his valuables for the same reason. <laughs> How easy it is to make decisions. We're talking about judging. You know, it would be insane to say we'd never judge. We judge all the time. Judging is something that sane people do constantly. Judging is something that we should do hesitantly. Judging is something that we should do scripturally. Judging is something that we shouldn't do unnecessarily. Preacher, I don't know why she did that. I don't know why he said that. I don't know why they... Maybe you'll never know. Maybe the best thing is just pray. Maybe if you knew why, it would all make sense. Therefore, if you bite your lip, you won't have to apologize. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the principle of judging. Lord, all of us do it. It's human nature to do it. We make judgments off the things that we've heard and seen. And sometimes we've only heard and seen half of it. Lord, I pray to help us. What we dish out, we're going to get back. Help us to be hesitant when we judge, scriptural when we judge, Lord, when we don't have to. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.